Hi and welcome to another BizInc podcast. My guest is Trent McLaren of Intuit. How are you doing, Trent? Great, thanks, Matt. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, so what we're going to be talking about is um, is sales, salesmanship, um, and, and particularly around the firm of the future concept, which is something that Intuit have been um, have been working with. So if you could give us a little bit of background, Trent, both to yourself um, and that firm of the future concept, that'd be great. Yeah, awesome. And uh, thanks again for having me. It's great to, to be here. Um, so my role at Insured uh, is business development for our bookkeeping and accounting channel. So it sees me based here in Sydney, um, but being that we operate in the cloud, sees no boundaries. So some weeks, uh, yeah, I can be all over the country. So I'm just meeting with advisors, um, talking about how awesome the cloud can be for both them and their clients. Uh, the role is is more about an educational role. Obviously, we're you know we want to try and grow our subscriber base, but the best way for us to do that is to get right into the thick of uh, an accounting and bookkeeping's business, understand their their needs, their problems, and really just come up with the best uh, sort of solutions and help them transition from uh, desktop to cloud based environments. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to working at Insured, I worked in the online payments space and e commerce space, so. Uh, and doing that again with accounting and bookkeeping advisors across Australia, uh, the UK and New Zealand. So very familiar with the landscape and the market that we're in, which has been really beneficial for me. Now, the Firm of the Future concept we uh, was coined out of uh, the US with Jim McGuinness, who is the head of our Pro Advisor program globally. And the idea of Firm of the Future is to try and give perspective for accountants and bookkeepers to look forward and what are we trying to do to innovate and change the way that we interact with our clients or manage our workflows or what tools are we using to actually do things faster and quicker and more efficient or what tools are we using to provide better data and insights um, to our clients or so that they can make better decisions on their business. And what we've seen across the globe is that we started doing our Firm of the Future roadshows, trying to provide uh, real educational insights and pieces from world-class speakers and uh, amazing amazing people that are doing these things in their business and, uh, and just demonstrate how a Firm of the Future can operate, what that looks like. And uh, through that, we want to try and help educate and take those firms that are that are not in that space through the journey to becoming a firm of the future. Yeah, great. So, um, with that in mind, um, and considering with the firm of the future, what what do you think are the fundamental aspects of a sales um, process for, for a modern accounting firm? Uh, I mean, from a sales process for a modern accounting firm, it's um, being able to just change the way. We interact and, and sell our services. Uh, traditionally, uh, it's probably been based on walk-ins into a firm or it's been based on referrals. Today, we rely so much more on things like social media or having a sales process and becoming what we call a trusted advisor in that space. So we're not just all about compliance anymore. We're actually trying to advise our clients how they can better spend their time, better spend their money better invest in other uh, technologies or just make better investments in general. So it opens up into a whole new uh, ball game, And a lot of that, again, comes back to how we, we engage and interact with our clients and that's better communication. So 
we're not meeting once every 12 months anymore to do our year ends. We're, we're meeting on a, a quarterly basis or a monthly basis or whatever it may be. And that in turn allows firms to keep retention uh, and also allows them to help increase uh, fees as well because, again, you, you're meeting with your clients more regularly. Therefore, you should be able to charge um, additional uh, for additional fees at that rate. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's something that um, accountants and bookkeepers can teach themselves or – is it worth them looking into sales training? Yeah, look, I think we we live in a world of technology where resources are available everywhere. Uh, I think if you Google, you know, how do I better sell my accounting services, you'll find probably five to ten blogs, maybe even a Bizink blog that talks about these things. And uh, just that was a quick one for you, mate. And uh, <laughs> um, within that... <laughs> Within that, it's um, it's accessible. It's always available. That stuff doesn't need uh, to be trained on all the time. You don't need to spend thousands of dollars getting business coaches anymore. Don't get me wrong. I think if you really want to escalate things and get a professional on board, then you can outsource uh, that kind of service to a business coach or someone to, to come in and work on helping you price your services. And uh, that is becoming more and more important every single day that we move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I mean, I guess, um, just to go back to the question, you know, yeah. um, I don't know if those skills necessarily lie within, um, accounting firms, lots of businesses as well. Um, whether you pay for that or not, you think it's important to, um, at, at least invest in education if, if it's not, you know, kind of paid for training, uh, education. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, would, I, I reckon so. Um, I had this chat with a bunch of firms last week that they could actually invest in um, courses on change management and how to implement change in businesses because a lot of the things we talk about today is that we want to get you into the cloud and we want to try and implement new services and solutions with you that will streamline your business. But a lot of the time, if you don't have a change management background or you're not quite under, unsure about how your clients are going to receive this information – Having that kind of skill set in place where you can coach your clients through the change uh, is going to be extremely beneficial for you. And then in turn, it actually will help you as a firm through your change management process as well. Uh, And that's the biggest roadblock we see today is that people are scared of change. But if you've been in this accounting space for long enough, all we've seen is change for the last five to seven years. So investing in other educational sources or actually uh, developing Developing some of your staff to become the business matter experts on board, we'll see a long-term. Um, it's a it's a long-term gain down the track because again, this is where you start to give your clients other services that they couldn't have got access to before, without having to pay uh, you know hundreds of dollars to another party. So, being able to bring this all in house under one roof, uh, it helps create that one-stop shop, not just for accounting and financial services, but you're creating a business hub. Uh, and you start bringing things like technology into that as well. And uh, again, it becomes a really compelling reason for why people should partner with you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if the, there's a argument where you, you can train yourself, get better. But um, some firms use, um, they have account managers or business development managers, whatever term they give them. Um, so do you think there's a case for hiring a non-accounting salesperson into the into the firm yeah i I think so um and if you look at 
any of the, uh, as an example, the accounting software providers today, most of those um, businesses, software providers don't actually um, get people in that always have accounting knowledge as a background. And you would think, okay, you're selling solutions to accountants. They probably need to know uh, some sort of accounting experience, but not really, like not always the case. Yes, they need to know how the software works and you need to know um, how they can best suit them answer their questions and queries. But at the end of the day, the, you need to be able to sit there and help them with all the other solutions because the accounting software is one, you know, it's only one piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. You've got everything else to plug into that. Mm-hmm. If I take that from an accounting perspective, it's the same thing. If you've got an account manager or a dedicated salesperson, they don't need to know the ins and outs of how uh, accounting works for those clients, but they need to be able to know how to talk to their clients or potential clients understand what their needs are and then understand the services that the accounting firm provides so that they can then bundle that into a package. And as long as you understand the services that you provide, then you can go through it uh, quite successfully and still manage to uh, to get your clients on board. Now, through that, there may be a call for having an accounting person in the room, like a, your accounting consultant to help you uh, raise a few little points here and there and that might be something you put in place for bigger clients that you're trying to land so you really just need to profile the clients that are coming in and just be well prepared if you're well prepared you've got all you're asking all the right questions you know all the services that you offer and you know how you're going to help that client then again uh, having a sales expert and a a communicator in your team can be a really strong asset Mm -hmm. yeah right um one thing that um you know, I see with, with firms that we work with is there's a very long sales cycle. So, um, you know, it may be a month, it may be six months, and, and it often can be years before uh, or, or, or after the kind of first contact with a lead that they eventually become a client. Um, obviously, there's lots of reasons for that, but, you know, there's a high perceived pain factor in switching accountants. Um, so businesses will often put it on the back burner, so it can take a long time. It often does. So, um, a couple of questions on that, you know, like how often should you, um, follow up a lead? So, you know, you've done a, um, a, a kind of presentation, a sales meeting with somebody, um, you follow up most likely they're not going to come on board straight away. Um, you know, how often should you follow up and, and what's, what's the best way you think of it? Um, to do that follow-up that, that really gets results? Yeah, it's a good question. You need a system, a system and a structure. Um, every good sales organisation needs a system and a structure in place to help keep track of all the opportunities, keep track of all the new leads that come in place uh, and then have a system that will you know allow you and remind you to follow up at certain points. Pair that back with a really good email marketing system, uh, something that will help you track your social media uh, engagements and who's engaging with you online through social media, if you can wrap all that into a CRM system, then you're going to have a much better chance of keeping on track and keeping on top of that customer. Uh, everyone's got a different sales cycle depending on what you're trying to sell them on. Um, in some instances, if, you, you know, if you've got a promotion that has a deadline, then obviously you're more likely to, to win clients over because you're saying, look, you have to sign up this week in order to get take advantage of the, the, this promotion. So mm-hmm. you know, it depends on how you want to attract them and what you want to attract them on. For some people, sales cycle could be you know 90 days, it could be six months. It just really depends on where that small business owner is at. Uh, the important thing to do is to capture all of that information in your CRM system 
and then set your uh, next follow-up call uh, as scheduled. So if that is, you know, spoken to client today, uh, that, you know, they need X, Y, and Z services and they understand that they will need to move with us. They've had a bad experience with accountant in the past. Um, we probably need to follow up with them within the next 90 days at some point whilst they try and work out their stuff. We have sent them a whole range of brochures, information. We've understand what their pain points are and they seemed pretty keen. Uh, and then from that point, if you've collated that in, you've got a record of all the emails back and forward, uh, you've, you've built that relationship, then you would know what the next point of contact is. You know when the next date is and that that's what your system is there to do is to help remind you to follow up with your clients so that you can drill closer down to buying and purchasing. And that's kind of how things start. You get them in an awareness stage or awareness slash recruit kind of stage and that's when they're brand new. They don't know much about you uh, or your business or what you do. And then you want to get them into a buying stage and then say a sold stage. So when they're in a buying stage, they're, you know, they're keen to go ahead. They mm-hmm. want to go through with you but they just haven't actually bought yet. And then a sold stage being that we've, you know, we've closed – the, uh, we've closed the, the opportunity, they're sold, they're won, we're, uh, we're moving on to the next yeah. client. So before that sold stage, um, how important do you think persistence is? Because I think it's a really kind of underlooked part of sales yes. is, you know, just 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 keeping in touch with somebody, you know, and, and it like yeah. the longer the sales cycle, I think the more important that becomes. Yeah, definitely. The reality is that um, we're all really busy. And if you think about the amount of times, the amount of missed calls you can day, if you're a small business owner, you, you, you're really you're time poor more so than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of need to be that persistent person because I think what the research shows, you know, the, the, if you call the most and it's uh, you are persistent, you're actually more likely to get your sale at the end of it. So mm-hmm. I've worked in organizations where if we, um, we don't, don't hear from that person and we might try to call them seven or nine times before we actually close the opportunity off as soon as someone tells me they're not interested we close the opportunity and move to the next person but if i keep getting a voicemail or not a voicemail or whatever it may be you don't know what's going on in that person's world they could be on holidays they could be away they could be sick their phone could have died there's a whole bunch of stuff that could happen so the trouble is that we let um human interaction in comes into play and that particular person is like, oh, they start to get uncomfortable. They don't want to be a pest. All that stuff is what blocks people from actually extending past that three or four phone calls. Mm-hmm. If you just push through it and say, you know what, we have a structure. We call seven times. If we don't get them, then we close the opportunity. If we do speak to them in that seven calls, then we reset to the next other seven. So it's based on uh, contact. You always, you just have to keep calling until they say no. If they say no, that's fine. Close it off. And yeah. Again, I'm, I'm not saying that in terms of calling someone to say, hey, you're going to buy. It's just calling in to say, hey, just checking in, seeing where you're up to. Last time we spoke, you said this, this, and this had to happen. Uh, How has that progressed? Have you sorted that out? Is there anything that we can do to help remove that barrier? When can we get started? Uh, mm-hmm. when, when do you want to come on board with us? Did you know there's a promotion running this week that will save you $300 if you get started today? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you need me to send that information through? Or again, you know, when can we next speak? When will you have a better idea at the end of that point if they can't answer you with a query question like oh i'm not sure i'm not a decision maker or whatever it may be cool who do we need to speak to who's the best person that's going to help us help you make this decision so that we can actually start working on your uh your work your business your file mm-hmm. uh and then again through all that you're going to find out who are the people that want to work with you and who are the people that don't want to work with you 
if you've had three or four calls in between that, all left messages or no left messages or whatever, just keep going. You just need to keep going until they tell you no. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised because everyone else just thinks that you're, uh, they don't want to work with you. They stop calling. And then by the time you speak to that person on, say, the sixth or the seventh call, they're like, oh, thank you so much for calling. I'm so sorry. We've been away. You'll never believe what's happened. And as I said, that, that's just life. That's just what happened to people. Yeah. Uh, and the best thing we can do is just stay persistent, stay true to the system and the structure you put in place, and you're guaranteed to have better results than the people that, that cave at sort of three or four phone call mark. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and and you say phone call there. Do you value a phone call over um, emailing or, uh, I mean, you're, you're, we're talking about the cloud world here, so sometimes meeting in person is is harder to do kind of where, where do you kind of rank all those things or do they all work together yeah the, uh, there's a combination um, a combination of things and you put this in your structure so for me if someone sends me an email I'm more likely to pick up the phone and call them back straight away to clarify that with them mm-hmm. and make sure they understand exactly what I'm talking about because we all know words letters writings emails can be skewed by perception of mm-hmm. tone you can't you can't read someone's tone in an email you can read someone's tone more so in a phone call today we do live in a wonderful world of webinars and skype and uh, google hangouts and all those wonderful things so uh, you know you don't always have to be on site with someone you can actually just set up a skype phone call and you can visually see that person to better help uh, the engagement of that relationship but at the end of the day, once you've established that relationship, maybe your first meeting was a Skype call, maybe your first meeting was face-to-face, everything past that can be a phone call. But for me, if I um, I do it in twos. So if I spoke to you today and I need to speak to you in a couple of days' time, if I leave a message on my mobile, I will also send you an email to say, hey, I've just tried to give you a call, couldn't reach you, left a message. Um, if you want, just give me a call back, drop me an email, or if you want, you can click on my Calendly link and book in a time that suits you. Book in a time that's going to work for you sometime this week. Uh, and then later that week, I'll try and call you again. And if I get to voicemail, I won't leave a message. So every week, it's left message, no message left. Mm-hmm. On the no message left days, I will not send an email. On the following week, if I get voicemail again, I will leave a voicemail and then send another email. And then you're following it. By the time you get to week three, you're up to sort of six calls anyway. Mm-hmm. So... By that stage, if you've left two or three voicemails, at that point, someone generally will give you a call. But if you get past that third and fourth week mark, or again, it might be you might spread it out. Maybe it's not week on week. Maybe it's uh, every second week. Again, I've come from organisations where we would call once every three days in the working week. So uh, again, it shows persistency. Some clients are like, oh, you know, stop calling me or, or you know, oh, I'm glad you're calling me. Like everyone's different. Mm. But a lot of people have a fear about being a pest and my biggest feedback would be just put your fears aside and just stick to your structure uh, because it's not about you it's about what you're trying to achieve yeah that's right and um i'm what's the phrase you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs you're gonna make a few people unhappy whatever you do whether you call them whether you email them that's life right and and um if you're getting plenty of sales then um you probably don't worry about it too much Mm. yeah you can't you can't take it personally i mean it's all business if someone says why are you calling you say look we're trying to call because based on the conversations you've had you seem keen if you're not keen just tell us just let us know or just let us know what's stopping you to, to put the barrier in place even if that point i said look i am keen 
but I'm just not ready until two weeks' time. Well, guess what? You've still got your answer. You still know when the next best point of time to contact is. Okay, If they said, hey, I'm keen, but don't call me for three weeks, guess what? I'm not going to call them for three weeks. I'm just doing what they've told. So that's just about you listening to your client. If they said to you, hey, I'm going to be ready in two weeks' time, then I'm going to call them in two weeks' time. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to try and gauge that in every conversation so that you say, when's the next time we should speak? When are you going to be ready to, to move forward? If they say two weeks, two months, whatever it is, you set your point for that next point in time. If they said three months, you might set a point to call halfway through just to check in and see how they are, mm-hmm. stay top of mind and say, look, I know you said three months, just want I want to check in, see how you're going. Is there anything we can do in the meantime? Otherwise, look, we'll chat to you again in a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's useful? Um, something that, that, that I think is quite valuable is to contact people outside of that. It is part of the sales process, but but you just send them something useful so you can go like, hey, I thought of you when I saw this link to a website or here's a white paper that we created the other day and it's really applicable to your situation. Um, do you think those things help the sales process along where, you, you know, you really kind of, it's very yeah. soft sell kind of approach, but um, it's a good way to get Yeah, well, I, I like it, but it's more so just about staying front of mind and, you know, them going, oh, that's a really good idea. I got it from Matt at Biz Inc. Oh, wow, you know, that's... That's where we 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 get it from. So yeah, it's it is a really good um, tactic. I use it in Facebook all the time as well. And like I read a lot of blogs, I see a lot of links, or see a lot of videos on Facebook. And a lot of the time, as soon as I see something, and I know I've been chatting to someone about that that week, mm-hmm. I tag them in it straight away, or I copy the link and email them. So hey, check this out. We were just talking about this the other day. Um, and that's not coming from any. An, it's more. It's coming from a genuine place of. That is actually something that they they will need or um, will be of interest to them, mm-hmm. as opposed to a blanket. You know, here's a white paper we send to everyone type thing. Yeah. But at the same time, if you've yeah. got some general guides, let's say you work with a lot of startups, you might set up an email campaign in your systems where, on week three, you always send out the white paper saying, "Hey, you know, I know you're a startup. Uh, I just think you should check this out. We were looking at it the other week, and it seemed relevant from the conversation we had. Mm-hmm. If you can make them." A general generic, uh, but but coming across as a genuine approach, then there's no reason why you can't use that type of system to help you stay engaged to your customer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. and generic doesn't need to be, um, like I say, not genuine, like not said, thought yeah. out. If 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 you're targeting a certain type of customer, then um, that that stuff's still really useful. You can still have a system behind that. So uh, I think that's really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you mentioned the CRM. I'm assuming you think that's a necessity for for a firm that's really trying to get serious about sales. Yeah, I mean, how else do you keep track of um, your opportunities? So, yeah, CRMs. Uh, perfect. You, you need to have that system in place to maintain that relationship with your customers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a couple I know uh, in the past of you know talked about things like Salesforce and and Sightly and Method CRM and believe me, there's a list. There's a, there's a big list of CRMs you could use. Yeah. Um, what I would do is just look at what CRMs are relevant in your space. You would have heard people talk about it. You're going to have people that you work with that might have an idea as well. Um, again, we hear a lot, a lot about Salesforce and my biggest advice for those people is don't just buy into um, Salesforce because everyone else does. I love Salesforce but 
you cannot use that by just buying it off the shelf. It does involve a lot of customization and it can be a bit overblown for what an accounting firm may need depending on your size. You may be better suited to something like a capsule or a um, Insightly or Method CRM or I think uh, Legrand CRM is quite cool as well. There's a whole range. Again, you know, Google, as I said before at the start, there's plenty of knowledge out there as to what CRMs are best used by people. Just type it into Google. What's the best CRM that I can use for my business? And you'll get a whole range of stuff that you can start checking out. Yeah, I think um, simplicity is really important. Um, like you said, Salesforce. Um, I, I know some big organizations where they absolutely love Salesforce, but probably every small business that I know who's using it, and even I'm talking about businesses up to 50 staff. I know one in particular, and it's a bit of a beast um in terms mm. of setting it up and maintaining it so i think um for an accounting firm where probably you've got your client information already in um practice management software i would look for a very sales orientated crm rather than one that's necessarily got all the kind of customer service and and big back end on it and um just want to throw out there that i've um trialed in the past and, and we don't use because we've already got a crm but um there's one called pipe drive um okay very very simple and what it does it it basically fits very well with the kind of like the methods that you were talking about before um of just basically what's my next action is it call this person is it follow up pipe drive it just basically shows you what you need to do that day in a very clear very visual format so it's like you know You've got to do 10 calls and three emails and you just move on and it shows people moving through your pipeline. So it's quite um, motivating. Um, you mm. know, we, we use Zoho CRM, which is pretty good, but, um, you know, a lot of it's quite data driven. It's not the most nice looking piece of software. So when you go in, you, know, you see some opportunities and your deals and all of that. And it's just kind of like a, a grid, you know, almost like a bit of a, a spreadsheet almost. Pipe drive is very visual and you can see your deals and, and what you've got to do. And like you said, you know, sales is a, it's process driven. So, um, it fits very well with that. What, what do I need to do next? Um, do those things. Sales should drop out the other end. Yeah, exactly. And the visual component is, is can be really appealing to some people and yeah, mm. you, you need to be able to track through your, uh, your funnels. That's the whole point of, um, a sales process is knowing, as I said before, about your awareness recruit buying and sold stages mm -hmm. you need to be able to push people from from awareness to recruit and so forth and then you need to be able to set your roadblocks if you know they're going on holidays for a couple of weeks or whatever it may be so mm -hmm. um yeah that, that sounds really interesting i'll be sure to um i'll be checking that one out oh, I, I look it's, it's good i think it's something we would use and may use in the future just um it would kind of be duplication of effort but um for, it I think it would particularly work well in the accounting firm where um, if you had all that customer data already somewhere else, you could just use this for deals. Um, th th then it'd be a very nice streamlined kind of CRM rather than having all that, um, you know, client data in there as well. Mm. Um, awesome. So the final thing I wanted to talk about um, was... Um, social selling and you, you referred to Facebook earlier and you know I'm connected to you on social media you're very active on there um, and, and I can see you um, you're interacting and in, in a very kind of genuine and real way with 
some of your clients and prospects. So um, I guess if you just give us a little definition of what social selling is and how, how it's worked for you and then maybe how you think that can work in, a, in an accounting firm context. Yeah, definitely. Um, social selling is very important in today's day and age. Uh, social selling is obviously just trying to incorporate your marketing into um, social media-based platforms. So it's not limited to Facebook. It can literally be any social media platform that your clients are on or where they're best found. So depending on your industry or, you know, you can depending on your clients' industries because you may help them with their um, social media marketing one day. Um, you know, fashion, hospitality, they might be best on things like Instagram where it's very visual and very, very image-driven. Um, I'd say Facebook's obviously the biggest social media platform in the world, so it's always a great place to start. Uh, and I find for bookkeeping accounting firms, again, it's a great place to start because that's where, you know, 70% of the world's population is every single day. Um, so it's perfect. For me, the way I use it, I use it to connect with clients and customers and it's um, really, really, really powerful because you're able to connect with people one-on-one in a setting that they may not have really connected. As I said before, there's no boundaries or barriers in this space uh, when you're going into social media selling. So when you start interacting with, you know, one person, then all their friends can see that as well. Uh, when you start sharing links and blogs and then other people share your links and blogs, again, you're reaching another audience you didn't have access to before. And that's where it can be um, really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you have any quick tips for people how to get started with that? Um, any apps that they would use to, to manage their social? Yeah, uh, to get started, I'd recommend um, just actually getting started. It's probably the first point. So create yeah. a... Create a Facebook page, create a Google My Business um, spot as well. If you've got a website to connect to it, that's great. Um, once you get into the swing of things, you can look at things like Buffer or Hootsuite or Clout mm-hmm. uh, as really good social media managers. And that just allows you to sort of track your uh, engagements, track people that are commenting and liking and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I actually don't use well like I've got one that I do use to help me post a few things but what I find is it's it's really good to understand how to post on different platforms like you wouldn't post on Twitter the same you would post on Facebook Mm -hmm. so for me I actually don't mind copying pasting things a couple of different times between Facebook Twitter and LinkedIn because I do tailor them a little bit differently every single time knowing that I get different types of engagement each time Mm -hmm. Um, again, as I said, Twitter's great for thing, you know, hashtagging. Uh, whereas I find Facebook, I think I read somewhere that hashtagging can actually make it less visible. Right. So I don't, I don't actually do too many hashtags when I use Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, as I said, it, it can be really powerful. Well, it can actually allow you to target the right customers that you need to target um, based on postcode, what they're interested in. Uh, their their age bracket, whether they're male or female. Um, we know video, again, is more engaging. So sometimes you might put up a 30-second video of yourself introducing who you are and what your firm does. And uh, that that's going to be more engaging than someone reading a post or seeing a visual photograph. And we've already started to see these 360 images and 360 videos coming to life. And it's only going to get more and more and more engaging and more visual. So I'd highly recommend that if, as you start to jump into this, just really start tinkering around with 
uh, maybe it's live videos, maybe it's recorded videos, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. uh, it can be a really powerful way to reach an audience. Okay, great. Hey, Trent, um, let's wrap things up there. I, I really appreciate you coming on. There's some awesome insights into selling. Um, what we'll do is, um, obviously, we just talked about social. So um, on, on the podcast page, we'll include links so people listening can can connect with you and also um, some information about Intuit and, and, and QBO. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. It's, um, it's always a pleasure, my friend. So, yeah, thanks for uh, hearing some of my tales. Yeah, thanks very much, Trent. I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. <laughs> Cheers, you too. All right, bye.